Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, delighted to be joined by Cormac Reed, the founder and CEO at Rocktail. Cormac, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks, Mia. Nice to be here. Thanks for asking me. It's great to have you. Typical fashion of the show, Cormac, we start with early influences. So where you grew up? I know that you went to school in Black Rock, going to assume that you grew up in Dublin. Correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of tell me what your early years were like. Any favorite hobbies, standout memories? Yeah, um, well, I grew up in uh, South Dublin, uh, Monkstown, which isn't too far from, from Black Rock. Uh, nice, you know, leafy seaside suburb, you know, so it was all... Um, uh, I suppose the the formative years were the eighties. It was uh, for me just just a lot of crack, a lot of fun. Um, sports wise, played played a lot of tennis in the tennis club more than I was probably anywhere else. Um, interesting, my parents put me in the tennis club out in Lansdowne, which I had to cycle to, so that kept me fit. Having <laughs> to go out to that every day, uh, pretty much in my teen years. Um, but yeah, and obviously went to school locally there in Blackrock. Interesting. I, I've been to Monkstown a couple of times. My grandparents live in Kilkenny, but also have a house in Dublin. And we usually do Chris Kindle every year somewhere around Monkstown. Um, what did you want to be when you were younger? When you went, like, let's go back to young kind of pre-teen Cormac. What did he want to be when he grew up? I think I was always drawn towards business in general. Um, I was very much... Um, interested I, I i have very early vague memories of kind of hotel and uh kind of that type of thing and fancied myself involved in that in some capacity um i then got jobs in college as you know restaurants and bars and things, and i realized that was probably not my natural fit long term but um you know that that end of things um but yeah to me it was always in business always working on on opportunities and um you know I was kind of did the whole kind of Christmas wreaths and trees and all that stuff in my late teens to to earn a few bob and um, I think that was always kind of a kindle of the the entrepreneurial spirit that was there. Um, but I think as early as uh, you know late teens, talking to colleagues in school, we were always fashioning ideas that we would someday go out and do something, you know. And uh, but needless to say, the internet didn't exist, so. That wasn't on the agenda at the time. It was probably more related to uh, other other avenues, you know. Um, but yeah, so that was that was uh, no specific. I, I certainly knew I didn't want to be a doctor. I wasn't big on mm. on blood and things like that. So it was going to be business for sure. And when you mentioned all the kind of side hustles that you had, is there anyone influential in your life that you look to that you think influenced that? A teacher, a close relative, a parent. Um, well, I knew my, my grandfather who passed when I was in my teens, but he, he would have been a businessman back in the day. And, um, you know, I, I suppose listening to the stories from him and seeing him interact with my own father was, was certainly interesting. I had, I had uncles who were in business and I got a sense that um, it was always interesting to, to look at uh, going down that path. Um, my own father was, was successful in, in the corporate world, more kind of a corporate orientated person but also uh, kind of a sports was his big thing. So he was just always uh, you know, all about the sport. And that was me, me, his main 
um, his main thing as, as, a, as a kid growing up. So there was no sitting around really tolerated. You were out either kicking a ball or hitting it or doing something. Um, and that was basically uh, the, the education that I got there. Um, but yeah, I think uh, on my mum's side, there was always uh, encouragement, if you like, that um, you can always beat your own path and go after something if you really want it. It's all about passion, things like that. So tell me then, I know that after secondary school, you went and studied accountancy and business. Why did you mm. choose those two topics? That, well, well, basically, that was my parents put me down the path of business uh, because they were very, very interested in that. And and uh, it, it was um, not something that I was completely going, oh, I definitely want to do accountancy. I really need to count numbers or what have you. But I knew it was a foundational um to all business, so no harm in understanding and reading a set of accounts and understanding the difference between, you know, liabilities and debts and things like that, you know. So, um, yeah, my father was very much an advocate for that. Um, I was actually interested in the arts, believe it or not. That was really something I wanted to pursue. Uh, when I think back now that you're you're asking the question, I mean, it was I was very interested in in, in painting and 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 all that side of things. But I, I had good friends who were experts, and I wasn't at that standard. So I kind of realized that there was no, you know, Leonardo da Vinci in me, really. It was more just kind of a, an idea. Um, and my father was obviously pushing me the business route. So that's what, what came about. And I suppose in school, there was those um, vague memories of those uh, guidance counselors who'd kind of say, well, look, and they, they were actually putting me down the engineering path, you know, and it was interesting to have that identified at an early age but yes business was very much the family agenda uh ironically now i work with engineers all around me and <laughs> it's it's probably a, a quite a, a, a comfortable space for me i'd like to before we get into anything to do with rocktail to rewind to the year 1993 after you left studying accountancy business or you finished it you landed a sales role at a company i believe was called reflex the question here yes. is, you spent over a year in sales. What was it like? What lessons did you take from it? And do you think others should gather, uh, other future CEOs and entrepreneurs should gather a year in sales before they go into the, into the role? Yeah, I mean, sales is probably a grandiose title. It was really ground level start. Um, it Reflex was a PLC at the time. It was an IBM house. I didn't at that stage really know even what IBM was, I'm honest. You know, it was really early doors, walked into a building in Sandyford and some, some bunch of people doing something with computing. You know, I really didn't know very much. So I was told to go into the warehouse, put on a white coat. I was in my suit. I said, what's the white coat for? This is a bunch of boxes over there that need to be over here. So, wow. <laughs> so I was there going, okay. And you got to remember back in 93, it was 17% unemployment. A lot of my friends were still going, to the UK, to the US. I was very much, very fortunate to, to kind of get an opportunity to start in that company. I think once they met me very quickly, within a handful of weeks, they said, do you want to get into sales support, the background of that type of thing, which ultimately meant a thing called the Compass Directory, which some of people my, my vintage would know about, this big, thick book that uh, you were given. And there was no training. There was none of that. It was a phone. It was a book. And you either did something with that or you didn't. And if you didn't, you were gone. And at 17% unemployment, that was a real challenge. You know, that was very much a very, very challenge. So it was, it was real, your, 
it was a real kind of high octane sales environment uh, that I was at the very junior. I was only a young fellow and you had to kind of um, fight for your place as it were. So I was, I was high energy. I was up for it and uh, moved very quickly into the, the, the services end of things as in maintenance and large accounts working with like C or H and uh, people like that. And it was, it was very much there in the enterprise space. So I got a sense of, what these big organizations needed infrastructure and computing for and and what the whole business model was. I was very much turning that around. And um, there was a very senior business owner involved in that. Um, um, Kilduff was his name. And, and he was very, uh, Tony Kilduff, very uh, successful businessman. And I, I suppose even as a young boy, he wouldn't know who I was, but I, I knew who he was. <laughs> and, and I was keeping an eye on what he was up to. And I, and I liked the way he kind of was coming in and making things happen. Mm. I, I, I'm not going to go through each one of your roles but the, the next role you had after Reflex was just over five and a half years at DSS uh, Yes, you finished up there as a communications business manager so in, in, in those like, almost six years you've obviously gained a lot of experience and carried some of those lessons from Reflex as well um, you, I'm, I'm assuming from your title that you both managed people and helped grow the business so when you look back to that time, are there perhaps one or two skills or behaviors that you got the chance to improve while there that you've carried with you to now being the CEO of Rocktail? Yeah, I mean, that, that company, DSS, they, they call themselves Codec now. They're, they're an established company doing very well. But when I was there, gosh, a long time ago now, um, what I got from there was, again, just another uh, opportunity to to develop skills around sales and, and account management, dealing with enterprise corporations, that type of thing. And I suppose when I was at that stage, I wrote a business plan for them around this whole idea of selling services around the internet. And at that stage, believe it or not, that wasn't even a consideration for them. And there was a great CEO of the time, Tony Stafford was his name, very, very uh, hard-nosed businessman, very good at what he did and very admirable character. And he just looked at me and says, if it makes sense, We'll, we'll back you. Mm -hmm. So I had to do the full, there's my accountancy uh, training came in. I was able to put a nice business plan together, stress tested and all the analysis that goes with it. And he, he backed it and off we went. And, and it, it opened up a whole new area for me as an individual about the, the whole telecommunications area because it really was pivotal that infrastructure was one thing, but telco was another and you needed to bridge those gaps how you could deliver services. So at those formative years in my late 20s it was a great opportunity and yes got to hire some very very key people um and manage a team and it was all of those skills were brought to bear and, and ultimately developed they 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 were very good in that they um they put uh, they identified myself and another colleague we went on a harvard business um uh program they flew in some people from the states and it was like a six to eight week program around um you know, business management and that professor literally blew our minds within 10 minutes of meeting him. And I think those opportunities are somewhat happen chance if you get people like that who come into your life mm -hmm. and then you get the, the, the opportunities are really kind of flattened out for you. And you, you know, that, that was very much formative years, but gave me a real belief of potentially going to the next step of going out and doing some business. Now you're the CEO of Rocktel. Rather mm -hmm. than me kind of give the 30-second commercial, you'll do a much better job because it's your business, so the mic is yours. 
Yeah, thanks, uh, Ryan. Um, well, Rocktail, we're, we're 20 years uh, in business. We spun out of our consulting business uh, when we first started out. Um, we service mid-market multinationals, our sweet spot. Uh, com companies uh, around uh, every county of Ireland, uh, many countries in the world we've connected and managed customers. Uh, most of our clients would be uh, large to mid-sized multinational and Cisco Technologies, you know, infrastructural related top uh, projects, um, carrier services from multiple vendors, so we're carrier neutral. And ultimately we solve problems for companies that are, are requiring to have their whole digitization improved, that whole transformation that people speak of, where the business is now in the cloud, the buildings are probably getting smaller, and Rocktel facilitate connecting all of that and bringing the workforce into that whole domain as well, wherever they may be. Sticking with your role as the CEO, I noticed that you're celebrating 21 years in business this year, mm -hmm. so congrats on that. As Thank you. you look at other... Uh, CEOs who are probably in a lot of strategy meetings at the moment for next year and beyond uh, and you look back at all those years that you've had a business what are some of the blind spots that you've got to be aware of as you build a business not having a common language not building a bench not having a not, not focusing on lead generation what are some of the things that you think can hold back a business um, interesting question. I mean, there's so many things that can hold back a business. I think the one thing is you can never be complacent, even if you get to a stage where you become, you know, you're everybody a startup at some point, whether you're funded or not. And then you, you get to a stage, where you get a bit of traction in your building and your building. Um, the key is definitely not to get complacent. Um, from the point of view as well, the other thing is your customers are ultimately king and you've got to look after them. I know that sounds cliche, but that's very important. I think having been 21 years, obviously, we had a very nice time of being at the very beginning of the tiger economy. And we felt that we had knocked it out of the park and we were having a great time. And then the crash came. And having to weather that storm was, was a real eye-opener, having to come through that. And I think then, you know, we you know, came through that and coming out and then pandemic hits. And you're kind of going, OK, you couldn't write this stuff. You know, you know we only got a handful of years before we have to deal with another type of crisis and notwithstanding the entire infrastructural technology change from from you know analog to digital to cloud-based services is also massive infrastructural change for for the customer but equally for service providers to be able to pivot and manage that so very specific to our business i think that uh, one of the key things that we all have to look out for is how we are actually delivering services that and solving the problems that the customers have not just today but three to five years down the road making sure they're match fit as their businesses need to either compress or expand depending on the type of organization. One thing we've learned over the last two years with the pandemic is we've had most of our customers accelerate. We're very lucky. But we've also had some contract. We've had to work with them and, and basically facilitate dialing down services and obviously spinning up other services for other clients. I think that flexibility has really helped us build very strong rapport and relations with our clients. And I think going forward, um, as you mentioned, I think at the, the top of this was all around the, 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 the digitization, if you like, of the communication from podcasting to your social networks. All of that is becoming, um, we all know this, very, very important. And I think that the pandemic has really emphasized for companies that are 21 years old, we've had to come from a legacy position, if you like, now to, to adopt to that. So we're very much going through that ourselves and, um, you know, enjoying that process. Um, but I think you just need to, be true to who the business is 
stick to what you're very good at, develop your services around, um, you know, very strong service ethos and, and go from there. And when you look forward at growing the, the business and continuing to achieve that growth, um, let's say over the next 12 to 18 months, what are some of the things that you, I imagine <coughs> referrals are a big part of landing net new accounts for you, having been in business for 21 years. But mm. what are some of the things that you're focused on to achieve that continued growth over the next 12 to 18 months? Well, we're now very much doing a lot of outbound marketing is, is a big part of it. As I mentioned, we've been breaking in some marketing people who are literally looking at Rocktail going, this is a, like a well-kept secret in some respects. So we're, we're ultimately getting ready to, to push out in a full digital strategy around that, um, which is exciting. And, and I'm literally just going, do your magic marketeers, because it's, a, it's more of their sweet spot than my own. Um, and I think... Uh, in order to, to achieve that growth, yes, we do get a lot of referral. We do, have, I, I think the, the figure some years back was like 47% of people who came in through Rocktail were referred into us, which is significant. Now that was going way back, but I mean, it is, it is very much um, the type of customers we deal with. We've got customers who employ hundreds and hundreds of people. They're very, very, we're deeply entrenched in what they're doing, what they need. And I think they also have an ecosystem of people they deal with their, and their peers. And if we're solving problems for them, they often just say, look, if you're going through it, you need to pick up the phone to Cormac and his team. So it certainly is, has helped. Um, but yeah, for the next 18 months, it's all about uh, the outbound marketing, growing the brand, raising the awareness. And that's a big part of what we're doing. Is there a tool that you use daily that you can't live without? I suppose there's so many. I've got a lovely little phone as we all do these these smartphones with our uh, little boxes of apps that i call a rocktail work <laughs> and in there there's probably about nine apps from hubspot to microsoft to webex to you know you name it and there's a bunch of them there that are are, are critical uh to the delivery and what i love is the fact that we can now see every single node on our networks which has spanned literally from north america to russia and I can see them on my phone and see red or green lights. And we like to see green lights. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, but it gives us a very, very uh, close to the pulse of what's happening. And, and all of that's on the mobile phone, which is incredible, really. Um, and yeah, so which one would I live, could live without? I, I suppose um, it'd be hard to single one out in particular, but, you know, the, 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 the overall uh, finance apps, uh, the, 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 the commercial apps, the CRM apps, all of them. Mm. You, you mentioned phone. I'm a bit of a, a, a gadget freak and I like to get random gadgets as well that people never expect. The other week I bought uh, the world's the world's smallest phone. No way. I've seen one of those. I've never seen one in real life, but I've seen one about yeah. yeah, very cool. Absolutely tiny. It's about the size of my thumb for anyone who's uh, smaller than my thumb for anyone who's... And does it work well? Yeah, it does. I've dialed a, I've dialed a number on it, and it, uh, it's, it's very clear. Uh, and you can text as well on it. I'll, I'll put a link in the description for anyone who's listening to this. Yeah, do, do. I, I, it's interesting. The Nokia, I think it's called the sixty one ten or whichever phone it was. It was the, it was a bulletproof phone of you know back in the day that they re released it, and people wanted who don't want all the apps. They just want to be able to phone and text, and um, it's, it's, it's somewhat popular. Personally, I have to say, I, I enjoy, I get the news. I do everything that everybody else does on their smartphones. It'd be hard to uh, go back to a Nokia 6110 for me, but I can see where some people like it. With you on that, um, 
this question usually gets people to think for a minute or two. So uh, I'll, I'll just throw it out there and see what happens. Okay. What's, what's your personal definition of success? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I suppose if we all look at ourselves as layers, multi-layers, you know, there's, 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 for me, obviously family is, is really important. My own immediate family, my kids, my wife, and um, interest, my kids are at school away and, and they came back and we were watching Survivor Australia on TG Car. I don't know if you've seen it, it's a great TV show. And um, we were all there, whatever, 11, and my, my 16 year old was even there. And we're all together. I sat back and, and I kind of felt as everybody was roaring at the TV over something that um, for me, that's success. That's a, a nice uh, family uh, day that we don't get all the time. And um, it, was, it was fun. And then from a commercial perspective, uh, I'm in a position now, 21 years on, where you build up a business, you, you know, we're, we're very, you know, good place and we're plenty of contracts running out for many, many years. So we're in a position now where we're able to look and see what's next for us. And, and, and I'm really, enjoying this time of evolution in the business mm. so for me that's a success point to be able to have that as i sometimes say enjoy the pause if you do get a chance just go okay now what's uh, we're in november from now to the end of the year it's all about thinking for for next year and and um let's just say when 2010 2011 you've asked the same question i wouldn't have had that time to pause it was a firefight so i think the um the, the opportunity to, to have that is success in itself. And, um, you know, you can have nice things and nice bits and pods and that's all lovely. But the reality is it's health is your wealth and your family for sure. How important do you think relationships are in business? Well, business relationships are very important. I think in some ways the pandemic has changed the kind of the four ball, the golf. Uh, I sail, I go out and, I, and I, that's one of my main sports and, it's, it's this great camaraderie there, but the days of kind of, you know, um, using that for pure you know, sports for, for, for relationships. I think it's now, it's, as you say, it's, it's about building rapport with people um, over time. Um, as I would have customers for 15 years um, being available. Um, so yeah, it's, it's super important, but it's changed in the last 18 months. We don't get to go out and have a coffee and have a chat and go for dinner like we would have done. Um, I'm looking forward to that returning, but it's, 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 it is, it is very important for sure. Final question for you, Cormac. If you were the final decision maker in adding a mandatory subject to the secondary school curriculum, what would it be and why? Um, well, that's, that's an interesting one. I suppose mandatory. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> there's a couple of things you shouldn't come out of school without. One of them is knowing CPR. Another one is knowing how to swim at least 100 meters. And um, they're kind of on the physical level. And then from a business perspective, I think everybody should learn emotional intelligence. I had the privilege of uh, doing a technology spin out at one of the universities dealing with very you know, academic oriented people, which is great. But I did get a sense that sometimes there's a, there's a gap there in the skills knowledge for some people that communication is gonna become more important than ever before. So and I'm not talking about communication as in tools, as in technology, I'm talking about individuals because mm -hmm. that skill is being diluted by the apps, the phones, the headsets, the head down, the hoodie up, and those skills are being lost. So I think the schools 
need to bring in a, literally a, a human communication as part of a syllabus, perhaps potentially, which would center around emotional intelligence, building rapport, um, doing all of these, these skills that are critical, because I think they're going to become a lost art if we're not careful. Um, but particularly uh, for some academics and people who are potentially less, um, you know, I suppose, extroverts or able to talk in front of people, these skills need to be given to everybody at a basic level. So when they all come out, they're match fit. And many founders are technical people. And the one drawback they have is communication, which is key. Cormac Reed, founder and CEO of Rocktail. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. I will leave links to both your personal LinkedIn account and your company page. If there's any other links you'd like me to include, just drop me a message. But for today, thanks for being my guest and I wish you continued success. Listen, Reem, thanks very much. Enjoyed it. Uh, all the best for your podcast and talk to you again. Take care. Thanks. Beautiful morning. Beautiful morning, baby.